This is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we have a story about an influential video game and some badass e-bikes. One of the most anticipated video games of the year, Final Fantasy VII Remake, came out for the PlayStation 4 recently. The game is a, well, remake of the original Final Fantasy VII, which came out for the PlayStation 1 in 1997. To celebrate the new release, InputMag.com Senior Reviews Editor Raymond Wong wrote an essay called Final Fantasy VII Changed My Life and My Hair. Here he is reading an excerpt. I developed an intense fascination with computers, graphics, and animation, and an appreciation for classical music from Final Fantasy VII. Whereas before I was satisfied with just playing games on NES and Game Boy, never wondering how any of it worked, there was no escaping the PlayStation's bleeding-edge tech. The game's 3-disc release, full-motion video support, and stereo sound unlocked an insatiable curiosity in me. I wanted to know how technology worked and what it could enable, a feeling that has stuck with me to this day. Thanks so much for joining me, Ray, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So how did the original Final Fantasy VII get you into technology? Final Fantasy VII came out in 1997. I didn't really get to play the game until 1998, and back then, you know, tech was still relatively primitive. 3D graphics weren't really a thing yet, and we had just started seeing real CGI from movies like, you know, Jurassic Park. For video games, it was like a, the leap from like 2D to like 3D on like PlayStation and Nintendo 64. That was a really, really big deal back then. And, you know, we take the graphics for granted now, but like back then, you know, CD and like full motion video capture and polygons was like very new and very cutting edge. You know, it really helped like open my exploration for tech about how it worked so I kind of like would open my gadgets and devices and eventually PlayStation and see how all the components work. PlayStation was kind of like the pinnacle of that kind of uh, exploration. You mentioned that it got you into classical music. Tell me about the music of Final Fantasy VII. So there's a uh, composer named Nobuo Uematsu. Um, He composed pretty much all of the music in Final Fantasy VII. Before Final Fantasy VII, you know, I was just like a kid. I was like 10, you know, 11, 12, and I wasn't interested in classical music at all. Classical music was like, you know, very old and stuffy, and it was something old people listen to. The game's soundtrack itself, like, you know, uh, the prelude and Aerith's theme, some of those tracks really just made me like so moved that I I really felt the game, you know? I, I felt like I was inside of this world. The game influenced your style, as you can see in the great pictures that accompany the piece. Back then, you got your hair to look just like that of Cloud Strife, Final Fantasy VII's protagonist. As an Asian boy growing up, I only had one hairstyle. You know, my dad took us to Chinatown and sat us in a chair in a barbershop and told them to cut. There was no, like, you know, style to it all. Seeing this game kind of, like, inspired me. All these characters have these, like, crazy wild hairstyles. It felt like they were, A, rebelling against something, and B, being very bold and being themselves. You know, in junior high school and then high school, I eventually started emulating some of these characters and, and their styles. 
you know, I think it really helped me develop my own identity, my own style. I felt a little more confident inside my own skin, and it gave me kind of this courage to go out into the world and just be myself. Since you wrote the essay, you've had time to actually sit down and play Final Fantasy VII Remake. So what are your impressions? I am still playing through the game right now. Um, it's a it's a pretty long game. I gotta say, I am pretty impressed by it. It's not a perfect game by any means. I don't think there are many perfect video games, but it's both familiar and modern. And so I think they did a good job balancing kind of the old and the new and pleasing old fans and also offering something uh, refreshing for people who have never played the original. You know, I'm, I'm still excited to play through and finish the game. I'm taking my sweet time. I'm not rushing through it because this game, at least the original, you know, meant so much to me. You can follow Ray on Twitter at Ray Wongi. Now on to today's second story. Given the ongoing coronavirus outbreak, many urbanites might be contemplating getting the hell out of Dodge. An electric bike, in theory, could provide a speedy, not to mention environmentally conscious, mode of transport. With that in mind, InputMag.com Guides editor Evan Rogers recently wrote a roundup called The Best Electric Bikes for the Coming Apocalypse. Here he is reading an excerpt. I wouldn't exactly call myself a prepper. I don't have any MREs or a pre-packaged bug-out bag, but in the midst of a wave of depression about the climate crisis last year, I bought the Suron electric bike. Why? I mean, what if I need to get out of the city and the roads are blocked? Is this a rational fear? Absolutely not. But with nonstop news coverage about pandemic, it certainly feels good to have. Thanks for joining me, Evan. Hey, Mark. Nice to be here. So your framing of this guide is obviously a bit tongue-in-cheek. I don't think that in the United States right now, at least currently, you know, there's any reason for people to believe that collapse of society is actually imminent. But, you know, even as I say that, I'm sort of thinking in my head, like, mm, we're never, we've never been closer. So... But yes, it has been, it's been a little bit tongue-in-cheek. So tell me about the e-bike that you own personally, which you talk about in the guide. So I own an electric bike called the Suron. This bike has been on the market for a while, but it's it's a little bit different than, than the e-bikes you typically see. It's more like a very small dirt bike, but not it's not like a toy bike. It's all black, has big knobby tires, and has like a 40-pound battery. So this thing is about like 130 pounds altogether with the battery. So it's like a meaty monster bike. And what's it like to ride? Since we're here in New York City, you know, I have to be mindful of the laws, which actually have just recently changed. I'm really glad that we are going to finally deliver some justice for these delivery workers. City Council Speaker Corey Johnson celebrating Albany's passage of a bill legalizing e-bikes and e-scooters statewide. It's a big win for food delivery workers who have long fought for the right to rush orders around town. The law on the books that requires the confiscation of their bikes and a $500 fine, that could be a week's worth of pay. Because of the laws in the United States and in New York City generally, I have to ride the Suron in street legal mode, which is about 20 to 25 miles an hour, which is what it's sort of hard locked at. I had mine converted to a belt drive from the chain that you would typically see on a bike. And because of that, this bike has so much power 
The battery is so large and the belt drive is so silent that you have like this unbelievable torque. Like I beat cars off the line, like not a problem. I mean, granted that's not that big of an accomplishment here in New York where there's so much traffic, but like my ability to just get going really fast is pretty much unmatched with this bike. It's a, it's pretty thrilling even in street legal mode. I see one of the e-bikes that you recommended by the manufacturer Cake costs $14,000. What makes it worth that much money? The thing about it that I think is interesting is, is that Cake the company is obviously such a design oriented company and when they say that all these different parts that make up the bike are custom made, I definitely believe them. And so when they say that these bikes can get up to a top speed of 56, I actually have confidence that the Cake bike, you could ride that thing at 56 miles an hour every single day and have it be perfectly fine with just regular maintenance. And I think that's what you pay for. Not only do you pay for the looks, this thing looks incredible. It's called the Calc And, but the quality I think is, is really what you're paying for and the peace of mind of knowing that you have like a real vehicle that you could license and take on the streets as like a, as a real motorcycle. Say I'm starting out in the world of e-bikes, which of the bikes in the roundup would be best for an entry level rider? So for an absolute beginner, I would recommend looking at the VanMoof S3 and X3 that we just wrote about. VanMoof has reduced their price by more than a thousand dollars. It was 3,300 before, and now it's down to almost 2,000. Obviously those prices are really high, but for people who you know live in urban and suburban environments where a bike could be your primary vehicle, you know, 2000 is pretty good. Not only is Van Moof's bike beautiful to look at, it's also the most like a regular bicycle. It's what's called a pedal assist bicycle, where the bike actually detects you pedaling and provides additional force to, to help you, but you have to pedal it. There's other bikes like the Lunacycle X1 Enduro, which is definitely a mountain bike. It's $3,600, which is very high, but what I argue in the piece is that it's also just a very good mountain bike. It just uses really great mountain bike parts. So you're getting a great mountain bike, but what you can do with a company like Lunacycle is like they'll give you options like ludicrous mode, you know, additional batteries. It's a full throttle bike, and so you can just lay on the throttle and just zoom on a Lunacycle bike in the way that you can't with some of these other ones. But the Van Moof is definitely, now that it's so much cheaper i think that's the that's probably the move for for an absolute beginner you can follow evan on twitter at evan rogers and i'm at mark yarm for more news from the world of tech and culture visit inputmag.com you can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today new episodes of input output are released three times a week if you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can find input output on whichever podcast app you use. Thanks for listening.